0: Hello captives and captive friends and welcome to episode 66 of the Global Captive Podcast, supported by legacy specialists R&Q and hosted by me, Richard Kutcher. Over the next 35 minutes or so, I'm going to be joined by two fascinating guests very much involved in very different projects and captive careers. I'm delighted to say shortly, you'll be hearing from Courtney Claflin, who begins a new job today after exactly seven years transforming the University of California's captive strategy. In a 15-minute chat, Courtney details what he found at UC when he arrived, how he expanded the role and value of the captive and what he learned along the way. But first, our guest co-host of GCP 66 is Jonathan Rice. Jonathan will share a bit of info on his background in a moment, but today he is CEO of Concert Group, a new dedicated captive fronting vehicle. Jonathan, welcome to the pod.
1: Richard, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Yeah, really good to to have you uh, on the Global Captive Podcast. Delighted we could get this set up. Perhaps a, a good place to start for listeners who may not be uh, as familiar with you. Could you tell us a bit about your background in captive specifically and commercial insurance?
1: Well, absolutely. I I have about thirty years dedicated to the insurance industry, so I don't feel old, but there's no question I'm a, I'm a veteran today. And captives have been a, a part of my career through really throughout my career. In fact, my final summer uh, in university, my summer job was working for Headington Insurance, which is mm. the captive for Texaco insurance company. And after graduating from university, I went straight to work for EY, the, the large accounting firm. And I spent almost 20 years with EY. I was a partner there for many of those years, and I was head of the insurance practice. For E&Y across both Bermuda and Cayman. So obviously, in that role, we, we had many, many, many captive clients. And during the early parts of my career, I focused uh, you know on capt- captives quite extensively, but I also branched out into commercial insurance and reinsurance. You, you may be aware that during the 1990s, the Bermuda market evolved from being dominated by the captive industry to also having a you know, very significant commercial reinsurance industry, which has evolved even beyond that now. So I, I kind of, I rode that way for sure. And, and I, I really, for many years, I was uh, more focused on helping the, the large reinsurance companies that formed in Bermuda. I also left and worked in New York for a few years, which was very important to learn the insurance industry in, in the US before coming back to Bermuda. Uh, I finally left Ernston Young in 2012 to join a, a startup reinsurance company, which today is the Hamilton Insurance Group. I'm very proud of what we achieved in growing that business. I was working for Brian Dupereau, who, who led Hamilton at the start and you know went on to, to, to lead AIG. so it was a, a pleasure working with him. So for, you know for a period of time in my career, I was away from captives, but I, I then left Hamilton in 2000 and I guess it was 2020. I left Hamilton to Join Strategic Risk Solutions uh, a fantastic business led by Brady Young who's a well-known figure in the captive insurance industry and, and SRS is the by far the largest independent captive manager and we are one not the only but we are one of the key sponsors of the formation of a new fronting business which is Concert and so so my job evolved into now being the CEO of Concert and one of our focuses is on captives and I'll, I'll I'll get into that but so it's, it's, I've come full circle Starting in captives and coming back to very much a captive focus today.
0: Yeah, great to have you back uh, in in the captive world, uh, Jonathan. Certainly, uh, certainly a welcome return. Let's talk about concert then, and kind of what the genesis of that was. Because my understanding uh, at the moment is it's it's quite a unique offering uh, to the captive market. So, what services are, are concert offering to captives in terms of kind of lines of insurance, uh, geography? Uh, what, what's the plan?
1: Well, the genesis of concert is to serve underserved markets in the fronting sector and, and the captives is front and center in that. Brady, running a, a large business at SRS it's a service provider to captives, increasingly saw his clients frustrated with the inability to, to get fronting you know to, to, to have their fronting needs met. and when they were met, they weren't well serviced. So it, he could see an obvious opportunity, to develop a front team business that was going to be much more client oriented and focused on the needs of captives. So, you know, the very raison d'etre of concert is is to support captives. But we, we you know, we won't just support captives, but it's 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 uh you know a driving force behind why concert was formed and there are other sponsors of Concert, but but SRS is, I think it's probably fair to say SRS is the most well-known sponsor of, of Concert.
0: So obviously, Jonathan, as you say, Brady kind of spotted a, an opportunity or, or a need to, to meet in terms of more capable fronting partners. What do you think some of the, the challenges or the primary challenges or limitations are within the current fronting marketplace for captives?
1: Sure. So the, the main challenge and why the opportunity arose is because Even though it's fair to observe, there's there's been a a good number of new entrants in in the the fronting market, but nevertheless, historically, the overwhelming majority of the capacity of fronting to the U.S. market has not been provided by dedicated fronting companies. It's actually been most of the capacity for fronting has been provided by very, very large insurance organizations, big, well-known names. Mm. Their primary business is not fronting. They may have they may have divisions that do fronting, but they're the organizations that have provided most of the capacity, fronting is not their, their number one thing. And for various reasons, uh, those companies have chopped and changed their risk appetites. Uh, it's really a function of the insurance industry has really struggled in the last five to 10 years. It's, it's fairly well known that the insurance industry, uh, the, the carriers anyway, are, not, are struggling to frankly make returns that are adequate or, or even meet their cost of capital. And there's a, a high degree of stress in the the insurance industry, and causing reallocations of capital. And the, the, the consequences of that is that decisions are being made that are not friendly to some of the smaller markets. Um, so captives are often not the biggest players, and they're you know sometimes their fronting partners are changing their risk appetite, or maybe maybe it's the minimum deal size. You know, minimum the minimum deal sizes that are being offered by some of the large carriers are much bigger than they used to be. Some of that's a function of the the, the significant consolidation that's happened in the industry. So it's really that with people not focusing on, you know, the the client's needs, they're focusing on their own capital management and other factors. There hasn't been the dedication and and there's a big section of the market, especially captives that have demand that's just not being met. And Concert was formed to focus on those underserved clients.
0: So to clarify, Jonathan, is it that what concert is offering is 100% fronting? So you're not looking to take risks. Obviously, often the insurance companies that you mentioned that offer their big multinational insurers, they offer fronting team of a service, particularly to, to large multinational accounts. They're normally very keen to take some of the risks themselves, not be a, a pure 100% front. But is your... Is your play that you do want to be just 100% front?
1: Well, we like we like the model of the pure front model. We think that makes a lot of sense, but it, it is necessary to to be willing to to participate in the risk. And so, concert will do that. We we actually are already started building a complementary. Uh, I'll call it an ILS business business, but we our our own shareholders. Separate, distinct, and separate from concert, have have capitalized a separate vehicle that the concert management team is also invested in, so that we can keep the concert carrier uh, as a pure front, but still have skin in the game. So we we, we're really creating a a separate structure, which I think is a smart move to so that we can, when people say, well, we want the fronting business to have skin in the game, we can respond to that need. And in fact, actually, our underwriters want to, you know, the good underwriters who are passionate about and believe in their risk selection capabilities, you know, want to take risk. So we, we you know, we've created that structure. And, and over time, right now, we're using our own shareholders, the same shareholders, shareholders in concert. We're, we're using them to, to provide the capital for the what I'll call this complementary business. But uh, over time, we uh, we we'll, we'll, we believe we'll demonstrate a very good track record and we'll attract third-party capital and. And we think it makes a lot of sense. We think creating very efficient structures—I'll I'll describe them as sort of ILS structures—but you know, very efficient structures that can access third-party capital complements a fronting business very, very well. So we're we're creating this uh, two-pronged structure.
0: So some of those challenges and limitations you mentioned regarding kind of the traditional, shall we say, or or legacy front team players, obviously, obviously you guys see that they present opportunities for yourselves. So what kind of opportunities are they? And I'll come on later to potential you think there might be for other new entrants to, to kind of do a similar model to yourselves.
1: Well, the the opportunity for us is it's important to be be very broad focused because so you've you asked the question a little bit about what lines of business. But but in order to serve the captive market, you need to have a broad appetite in terms of class of business. Captives come in all all shapes and sizes and, and write all different types of risks. And quite frequently, a captive is formed to for a parent company to retain a, a risk that's not being well understood and appropriately priced in in the traditional market. So so just by definition, we have a very broad appetite in terms of the types of risk of course there's some there's some risks we like better than others uh, right now there's so much opportunity that we can focus on uh, lines of business that are not catastrophe you know not property catastrophe exposed in fact most of our book right now is is less property exposed it's really casualty lines that have a shorter tail we're not currently entertaining workers comp it's quite you know much longer tail um, we may do that in the future but we're, we're writing lines of business that are low severity, high frequency, and uh, not so much property, but nevertheless shorter tail than, than typical casualty business. So within that framework, we're seeing a tremendous amount of opportunities. And that, that is our sweet spot, but it, it's important uh, to be open-minded and, and uh, we, we, we're blessed to have the relationship we have with SRS. So SRS manages hundreds of captives. And we're, so we're having conversations with, you know, literally hundreds of captive owners who, who have needs and, and uh, we have we have a big differentiator for us is we have access to the to those to, the, to that market that other funds don't don't have.
0: Yeah, and at the start of the second half, we will dig a bit deeper into the concert relationship with SRS to get some clarity there and who you, you want to work with. But now it is time for our captive owner interview. And I'm very excited to have Courtney Claflin back on the pod after a couple of years, I think, away from our airwaves. Courtney is best known for his past seven years spent at the University of California, where he took a relatively vanilla captive operation and transformed it into a truly valued asset and strategic tool of one of the largest university systems in the world. Unfortunately, Courtney wasn't quite ready to reveal to us just where his next job will be, but at the time of release, Monday 2nd of May, I believe it is his first day in the role so all should become clear very very soon and you may even know by the time you hear this mr claflin is a dear friend of mine demonstrated by the fact he's the only person i've ever allowed to do a gcp interview over the phone it turned out well though so i hope you'll enjoy his insights on building a captive truly valued and utilized to the max by the parent organization So, Courtney, almost exactly seven years after you joined the University of California, you're off to Parsha's New, and we are literally speaking to you, I think, as you're packing your bags to move on to your next challenge. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of what has changed over those seven years, but first maybe some personal reflection from you what has the role as executive director of captive programs at uc what has that role meant to you personally and also kind of the opportunities it's provided to you and many other people uh, during that time
2: well that's that's a wonderful question and and thank you for having me on richard it's always a, a pleasure to talk to you i think the 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 really cool thing about coming to the university of california is the fact that I had built captives before. I had put, gosh, 100 small middle market companies into group captives, built some group captives and built some single parents and all that, but never at the scale or the complexity of UC. And here I was sitting up in Minnesota, hadn't worked in a year and was sitting on the couch, just kind of wondering what I was gonna do for the rest of my life at age 55. And all of a sudden the phone rang and it was UC. And I didn't even know who UC was. Yeah. And I was talking to the recruiter, and I, I'm like, who's UC? Well, once I saw how big and complex the University of California system was, I thought to myself, holy mackerel, I have an opportunity here to do so much intellectually with captive insurance companies that I could never dream of before.
0: You say, Courtney, there you, intellectually, but also you must have been like a kid in a candy shop as well because as we met just as he got the job. I think we met for the first time. At, I think it was VCAA over a couple of beers and, and it was pretty obvious then just how passionate you were. I think you're one of the few people to rival me in your passion for captive insurance.
2: <laughs> and Yeah. So yeah. you
0: must have been like a kid in a candy shop when he got to UC and saw what was possible.
2: Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. I, I, was, I was overwhelmed with the potential. And and I happened to have a boss in the chief risk officer, Cheryl Lloyd. I remember walking into her the first day or the second day of work and sitting down there and saying, hey, Cheryl, I got all of my nine training modules done yesterday. What would you like for me to do now? And she looked at me and gave me that beautiful little smile of hers. And she said, Courtney, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't have had to hire you. Yeah. You tell me what you want to do, and I'll make sure that the roadway for you to get that accomplished is clear. And that, that's just overwhelming to be given that kind of an opportunity and that kind of responsibility. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's unlimited
0: that's really good segue into my next question actually courtney because i wanted to ask you kind of what 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 was the first thing you did then apart from those training courses so tell the listeners for those who might not have heard the beginning of this story before what was the profile of fiat lux which is the uc captive was already in place when you went there it's a dc domicile captive when you arrived in april 2015 what kind of stuff was it doing what was the profile of that captive and what role was it playing at that time for the university
2: the captive at the, at the time I showed up was doing three lines of coverage, and it was reimbursing the university system the top 50% of all of its self-insured retentions for work comp, liability, and medical professional liability. So, for instance, we had $5 million retentions at the time. Fiat Lux would reimburse the university system for... Two and a half million, excess of the first two and a half million, yeah, and on on three lines of coverage. That was it.
0: So, what was the first thing you did then to change to change that strategy or to start adding to it? Were, were there some easy wins that you could do quickly to start getting extra value out of the captive?
2: The first thing I got here in April, and our renewals are in July one. So, the first thing that I did is I said let's take 100% of the retentions number 1 let's expand it to you know most of our premium comes from four or five major buckets mm. i said let's let's take all the retentions of these buckets and secondly and, and this was the most important part of what i did instantly is the university of california system wide they were buying reinsurance. They were buying reinsurance in London and Bermuda, but they were not buying it with the captive. They were buying it as the University of California. And as you, you and I both know, and everybody, well, most people in the industry know, is insurance companies get to shop in a different department in the store. There's reinsurers that will only sell reinsurance to insurance companies. And I, I, I convinced my boss that we should buy reinsurance direct. Because it'll, it'll give us more capacity. It'll give us better terms and conditions and it, and it could reduce our price point. And so in 45 days, we, we took a hundred percent of the retentions on a few of these lines, and then we bought reinsurance directly. And as it turned out, our brokers were telling us on the casualty side, expect a 15% rate increase, expect your capacity to go down 10 to 15% and expect some restrictions in your terms and conditions. Well guess what now that we're buying reinsurance directly as an insurance company we were over over oversubscribed on the limits that we wanted our terms and conditions improved and our rate went down (laughs) so that was the first thing that we did and and to great success and then we started working on the big loss portfolio transfer to that was step two once we got the renewal done
0: So we probably shouldn't talk about this journey, Courtney, without mentioning... Uh, I think we can probably call her your protege and someone well known to our regular listeners and extremely impressive captive and insurance professional in her own right, and that's Karen Z. I remember meeting Karen Courtney at an event I hosted for captive review in San Francisco. I'm not sure the exact year, probably mm, 2015, 16 time, and she attended with you. And I think it was before she officially had the job actually at UC in, in your in your team, but. I know developing the, the next generation of capture professionals is a big part of, of Seeker's mission and you're obviously on, on their board. How, how proud of, of her development and progress uh, have you been and enjoyed watching her kind of progress?
2: I was talking to her the other day and probably the proudest accomplishment in my professional career is Karen C and where she has come from to where she is in the six years since I brought her on, that's probably the proudest th- accomplishment I've ever had, professionally. I mean, I can build insurance companies. I can grow them. I can do all that stuff. Well, who cares? You know, that, that's, that's cool. But to take a human being and to take them and open up their mind and to open up their possibilities and what they can do and then watch them do it. And she, she had, I've always said she had the greatest ingredients for someone that I wanted to work with and, and to mentor and to teach, which is, she's incredibly intelligent and she's very, very curious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say curious. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and, and, and as I told my boss, when I wanted Karen to join my team, we like each other. And, you know, anybody that knows me knows I'm probably a bit off at times, Sometimes, <laughs> but not in a bad way, but <laughs> I, I do, I do have a, a peculiar personality. Yeah. We, we just, we just meshed instantly. And so it's just been a wonderful journey and to, to be able to see what she has done in this industry and to see what she's done with me for the university of california it, it is the biggest and and my most proud accomplishment in my career
0: yeah, no, she's, Karen, Karen's absolutely fantastic. I'm sure she's, like yourself, going on to exciting future in, in the industry for sure. So as, as we discussed, Courtney, Fiat Lux, the single parent captive, it obviously remains in place, but a lot bigger than, than when you found it. You also set up a cell captive and numerous cells when you're there. Tell us a bit about that experience and, and why you felt it necessary to have a couple of other captive vehicles.
2: It's really pretty simple <laughs> because Fiat Lux is a not-for-profit. It's a 501c3 captive insurance company because as a university system, we're, we're non-profit, we're tax exempt. And when we got done with the initial build-out where we, we swept everything at the university and, and brought it into the captive, that was all first-party business. So we initially, we insured the people, places, and things that are UC. Well, if you step back and you take a look at it, there's a lot of things you can do with an insurance. It, it's I, I used to tell people, we're an insurance company that means we can sell insurance yeah and and now i started to look beyond just the traditional you know uc insurance programs the 30 or 40 lines of cover go beyond that now let's go take a look at the 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 employees the students the the faculty and the staff and and employee benefits a lot of that stuff is third party well to maintain my nonprofit status at Fiat Lux, I can only put a certain amount of third party business into it. And once it, it reaches a certain threshold, it'll flip the whole captive to a taxable entity. The, the the problem with that is is that the 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 service, the IRS, won't tell you what that threshold is. And so why would I want to risk anything? any of this third-party business, why would I want to put that in Fiat Lux and risk the tax-exempt status of Fiat Lux? So I instantly thought of, okay, well, we've got to build another captive. Okay, you you look at building another captive and you say, but wait a minute, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I want to do, and I may not want to commingle third-party assets and, and liabilities with each other in the same captive. So I said, let's put up a cell captive. So we built a cell captive, and we've got cells that do various third-party business that we don't have to commingle the assets and liabilities, and they they stand on their own. So it was a pretty logical, pretty simple decision to, to tilt that structure up and you know, it's working like a charm.
0: So you mentioned the, the third party uh, risk there, Courtney. And obviously, as you mentioned at the beginning, you, you did have a, a long background in captives. I mean, interested to know, had you had much experience with kind of third party and captives before you started doing it at UC? And it can be a big step internally for organizations to to start writing third party for a captive. It can be quite a big cultural step and cultural change. How did you find that process? And how much did you learn about that process? And any advice for, for risk managers? We know that lots of court are thinking about the idea of using their captive for profitable lines of insurance or third-party lines. Any advice for risk managers or captive owners who are considering kind of taking that plunge?
2: A couple of things. Number one, it's not as hard as you think it is. Hmm. It really isn't. The hardest part is working with the other people in your organization that control this third-party business. And so I'll use an example. We, we have employer-paid and employee-paid life insurance. Because when you go to HR and you sign up for benefits that the, your organization gives you fifty thousand dollars of life insurance automatically, and then you can check a box i want to I want to pay my own money one, two, three, four times my salary okay that's easy enough. Well, you sit down and you you do a feasibility study you take a look at the history of that program over the last decade or two. I did a thirty year feasibility study and found out that this life insurance company had made hundreds of millions of dollars off of us in profit. Okay, good for them. You know what? They took the risk. They got the reward. Well, now it's my turn. And so all, all, all it is, and and this is where third party gets kind of muddled up, is, is I had to work with UCHR because they controlled the life insurance. And initially, for two and a half years, I got incredible pushback because they don't want anybody coming into their neighborhood. And I think every risk manager on the planet is going to tell you the same thing and so it's teaching you just continuously teach that we're not changing your job we're not going to own this you still own it all we're going to do is a reinsurance agreement with our life insurance carrier that's all it is it's nothing more complicated than that we're going to execute a reinsurance agreement you keep doing what you do the life insurance company keeps doing what they do. We're not changing your job. We're not taking control. We're just gonna execute a reinsurance contract. And now we get the profit and the corresponding investment income instead of the life insurance company. And so when you take a look at third party business for existing third party business, that's all it is. It's just a reinsurance agreement. Now you can flip that because we've launched brand new employee benefit programs. So we, we've taken the savings and the retention of our own money to finance the startup of brand new employee benefits that augment our employee benefit offering to new employees. And that helps the university system because we're more competitive now to a new employee because our employee benefit offerings are, have, got, have grown and have gotten better because of us having the ability to keep our money on existing plans to reinvest and offer new plans
0: that theme as well has come up a bit in this series of the podcast we've had Heineken and Microsoft on both this year and they're, they're saying exactly the same thing Heineken brand new captive for EB Microsoft have had EB and their captive for a long time and uh, they, they, we were talking to the benefits teams uh, in those interviews and then it struck me as uh, a real selling point for them as well as companies and as internal people at their companies that they could say that they were you know because of their captive they were able to enhance the benefits and offer you know brilliant packages in, in their own words uh, to their employees so it's interesting 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 to hear you say but it it actually you know when it comes down to it it is simple it's just more of an internal discussion which i hear all the time regarding whether it's employee benefits or other third party lines of insurance
2: it's tough to get other departments within your organization there's certain departments that are very resistive to you coming into their territory and because they think you're going to take it you're going to own it and you're going to control it and they don't want that and the thing is is what i always told them is is I could do this without even telling you, and you would never know I was here. Hmm. It's just a reinsurance agreement. That's all it
0: is. So, Courtney, it's, uh, you know, we've, we've only really scratched the surface of, of your seven years at University of California, but we do need to, to leave it there. I, unfortunately, I'm not able to break the news to our listeners of where you're turning up, but I'm sure it's going to become apparent soon. And it's not goodbye either, Courtney, because I'm sure we'll be in touch and hearing about your, your next step at some point in the future.
2: Absolutely. Um, as as you know, and anybody knows, that when when captives are off my brain is is going to be probably the last breath of my life so i'm always going to be in this business and i i enjoy it i love it i'm passionate about it i think it's it's i you know i tell people i'd do this for free i really would if i had enough money i'd do it for free and my my next adventure is going to be just as exhilarating and just as exciting as this i can't get to wait to get started as a matter of fact i'm starting in on monday four, yeah. three four days from now so yeah. It's just going to be a, it's going to be another great adventure. And so I'll I'll be around and we're going to continue to have fun.
0: Well, thank you Courtney for coming on to the Global Captive podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Richard.
0: Paul, while we have seen uh, captive utilisation increase and record formation activity during the hard insurance market of the past three years, there has been no let up in legacy transfer activity, has
3: there? Why do you think that is? Well, as captive owners reevaluate their risk financing strategies and review their captive portfolio, one output can be to look at selling or transferring legacy business in order to free up capital that they can then use to support new programs or provide extra capacity for lines of insurance, proving particularly problematic to place elsewhere.
0: If that is an avenue captive owners wish to pursue, Paul, how can r q support them in the execution?
3: Well, Richard, there are all manners of execution, from novation and loss portfolio transfer, which is effectively reinsurance, to a complete business transfer or a full sale of the captive. R&Q has a proven track record over the last 13 years in all of these strategies over 70 captive transactions across 36 regulatory jurisdictions. We're experienced in working with captive owners, managers, TPAs and fronting partners to ensure the right solution is found for all parties whilst protecting the reputation of the captive owner for the life of the liabilities.
0: Thank you, Paul. Well, if you want more information on R&Q, then visit their Friend of the Podcast page on the globalcaptivepodcast.com website or follow the links in the episode show notes. Welcome back to GCP 66, and I hope you enjoyed that chat with Courtney Claflin. As mentioned, I'm sure it is not the last time we hear from him on the pod. But now we are back with Jonathan Rice, CEO of Concert Group. In the first half, Jonathan, you mentioned SRS several times and did explain a bit about the relationship there. But I think it's important to ask whether Concert is keen to work with all captives around the world managed by different captive managers and not just limited to working with captives under the srs management
1: yeah that's actually right thank you for asking it is important to clarify because some people might hear me talking about srs and thinking well they must be an affiliate or subsidiary Um, well certainly srs was a key sponsor but concert was not set up to be a company that would be run by srs a subsidiary of srs controlled by srs or you know and it's not most of the capital behind uh, concert was provided by other capital providers. In fact, I'm proud to mention Century Equity Partners, who are a terrific private equity firm that special, that, that's made a lot of uh, good investments in the insurance industry over many years, and they're they're terrific partners. And we have and we have other other key investors. And SRS actually, as an organization, has no investments in Concert. And there's and Concert's hiring a management team. We're we're building out the team, and it's absolutely g- going to be a, a company that stands on its own two feet, doesn't rely on on any uh, service provider necessarily. And so in that context, yes, you're absolutely right. Right now, certainly uh, the access to SRS people and, and pipeline is helpful, but we've we've had conversations with many, many brokers, including the, the large brokers that also have their own big captive management shops. And, you know, we've had very good conversations and, you know, they, they all want the same thing. They want to, they'd like to find a fronting team that's going to be very client oriented and responsive to to their captive clients and so so i absolutely see us developing excellent relationships and, and captive business from from many different sources
0: yeah that's good to hear would you expect then to see more specialty captive fronting players emerge as we continue to see captors grow both in the number of captors out there obviously lots of formation activity over the last couple of years in this market and obviously the premium volume that go for existing captors we've seen those numbers go up so do you, do you think you might see other players trying to replicate or do something similar to what you're trying to do at concert
1: well we might I mean I think concert has found uh, is focused on an opportunity that's very real and uh, and and what I, what's terrific about it is when you form a new insurance business or even or even a reinsurance business, a uh, challenge is, you know, if you're competing in what I'll call a subscription market in both the insurance and the reinsurance world is subscription markets. And if you're trying to take market share from incumbents, uh, you generally get anti-selected against you. Maybe you're going to have a lower price, but you're going to win the business that the, that the incumbents fight less hard for. So which by definition means you're being anti-selected against. And so what makes concert very different is that, that we have none of that. Because we're talking to people that are forming captives, and and we're and we're not we're really not ever bidding against peer fronting companies, and, we're, and we certainly weren't formed to undercut the market or provide more loose terms and conditions or anything like that. You know, we we spotted an opportunity, so I think it'd be foolish for me to say, oh, no one else is going to follow us because it, people tend when, yeah. see, when people see a good idea, they tend to follow it. Nevertheless, I think it'd be very hard to replicate our position because. A huge amount of our pipeline. I mean, we do have terrific, really, really, war- there's really warm relationships at SRS. SRS has done a, a great job of managing their clients. They, they, they have really high client satisfaction rates. Uh, they don't really, practically they don't lose clients. So there's, there's a real trust. And we, we can, through our connection to SRS, we've, we've, we've been able to step in and continue the warm relationships uh, with, with many of their clients. There aren't other companies like SRS. Uh, the only captive managers that have the scale of SRS are the big brokers. So you have you have the very big brokers, and then you have SRS, and there's, there's no other captive managers in the world that are anywhere near the size of uh, of them. So so unless one of the big brokers wants to form a fronting company, and I I don't know I, if they would or not. I, I assume not because. They're not really in the business of sponsoring carriers because they're brokers and, they, and their carriers are their clients. So so I, I don't see that happening. They used to, in, in the old, many years ago, um, the brokers were quite commonly sponsoring new Bermuda formations, but that all mm. kind of came to, they had conflicts of interest and it all kind of came to an end in the days of, if you remember the days of Spitzer. You know, There's no other large captain managers that could sponsor a frontier company in the way that w- that's been done with us. And of course, you've you've seen that there's been a tremendous number of new fronting companies, and I, I often hear people say, "Wow, there's so many new fronting companies. Is what you know, uh, isn't it a really crowded space?" Well, on a piece of paper, it looks crowded because you can you can say, look back ten years ago and, and list the number of dedicated fronting companies, and there wasn't many. And now, on the same piece of paper, there's lots of names, but that's a crowded appearance. is is, uh, this is misleading because, as I said earlier, most of the capacity. Of fronting provided to the to the fronting market has wasn't provided by dedicated fronting companies. So even though there's a whole bunch of new ones, they're mostly all very small. They don't really uh, in aggregate, you know, they don't really fill the gap left by the chopping and changing risk appetite that the larger historical players have, have, have um, succumbed the market to. So is there room for more new fronts? You know, someone might be turned off by the number of new ones they've seen. And, and curiously, I, I just haven't uh, I haven't seen, you know, many. Even though there's so many new fronts, I haven't heard any others talk about the captive market. I'm not, I'm not saying that obviously. Yeah. Some of the, some of them must be doing it, but I, I, they don't talk about it. If, if anything, they seem to talk about how they're supporting insure tech businesses, which may be good. We're certainly we're certainly open-minded about We so, You know, we, I I heard a, a CEO of one of one of our, one of our peers talk about they they wanted to stay abreast of innovation and so they want to support insure techs. and we're certainly having conversations with insure techs too but it's tricky because uh most most of the insure techs don't have a track record and i'm sure there's some that would be good to support but for every one that you support you probably have to you know talk to 10 or 20 or 30 or, or more and so the, hit, you know, the the confidence that you're supporting business is going to have high quality underwriting is is more difficult to to to, to, to achieve
0: yeah, no, really interesting uh, regarding that kind of... I think it's I think it's great. And the reason you've got my attention, Jonathan, or, or Concert has got my attention over the last six months and, and many people in the captive market's attention is because you have you know, made it very obvious that you're keen to do captive business and, and keen to provide a service to, to the captive market and, and to captive owners. And that does naturally draw attention. So in terms of kind of now and the future, obviously, you're providing fronting services across the US do you have an eye on on other markets as well in, in the future do you think are you, are you happy to focus on the US for now or do you think there's opportunities in in say Europe or, or elsewhere
1: well i know i know there's opportunities elsewhere for sure but yeah you know, we you know we completed our capital raise and got our carrier rated a- at the end of october so it is quite early days for us and you know, we want to focus on doing a really good job for the clients that we have in, that are in the US so that that is absolutely our focus for now it would be not a significant distraction to to extend our licensing in North America beyond the U.S. and so that that may happen in the in the not too distant future. Um, I'm certainly aware that there the same you know need for to support captives in fronting uh, exists outside the U.S. and especially in Europe. But that's uh, that's something we're aware of. But it's not it's not a near term target for us.
0: Great. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, it's been fantastic to have you on to the Global Captive Podcast. And that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, Thank you to all of our guests and, and particularly to you, Jonathan. Thanks for going on the pod. Thanks for having me, Richard. Stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.